Welcome to the Decoding Crime and Culture podcast. This podcast explores deep into the intricate web of society, human behavior, and the systems that shape the world around us. We're your hosts, Mao and Jackie. As first-generation American-born millennial therapists, we're here to bring you a fresh perspective on the intersectionality of socio-political dynamics, culture, and crime. In each episode, we'll navigate through the layers of stories that often remain hidden beneath the surface. We believe that by decoding the complex narratives that intertwine crime and culture, we can better understand the forces that influence our collective psyche. But we won't stop at individual stories. We'll zoom out to examine the larger tapestry, the historical context, the economic pressures, and the political climates that either nurture or challenge criminal behaviors. We're here to decode it all. Join us on this journey as we unravel the mysteries, challenge assumptions, and provide insights that will spark thought-provoking conversations. This is Decoding Crime and Culture. Get ready to see crime and culture through a new lens. First episode of our new duo and Miss Jackie Ravelo. I'm so excited to have you joining and um, being part of this because we have so many offline conversations and I know you are so down and already when I proposed this topic, I was like, hey, let's do this douchebag. And Jackie was like, oh, yeah, fuck this guy. And I was like, yes, we're here. We're here, baby. So this week, we are keeping on the wellness, new age, spiritual topic for season three and discussing when cultural appropriation and sterilization becomes deadly. That's right. We're talking about the Sedona Sweat Lodge deaths of Kirby Brown, James Shore and Liz Newman which was perpetuated by James Arthur Ray, a self-proclaimed spiritual guru. Spoiler alert, he was not any type of guru because that's appropriation, despite the love that he received from Oprah. And I feel like this is a hot take on popular opinion, but like, Oprah, why are you co-signing on so many D-bags? Ma'am, you need a new creative consultant. We love everything about you. We, like we appreciate you, but like stop it. So, what happened? In October 2009, a sweat lodge ceremony in Sedona, Arizona, led by James Arthur Ray turned into a nightmare. Three participants that I had mentioned earlier lost their lives and dozens more were injured due to extreme heat and dehydration. James was conducting a ceremony, a sweat lodge ceremony as part of his quote unquote spiritual warrior seminar in Sedona, Arizona. So here are some key details about the incident. The ceremony itself was meant to be a spiritually transformative experience in which participants entered a makeshift sweat lodge, typically a small enclosed structure where you're subjected to extreme heat and steam, which is a ritual created and very sacred to the indigenous tribes and traditions. This particular ceremony was conducted over multiple rounds, and there's many great podcasts that interview the actual survivors of this particular ceremony that talks about just how much of a shit show it was, how James Arthur Ray push them really like gaslit them to not go out for breaks to not stop 
to toughen, quote unquote. Yes. So another key detail about this incident was that that sweat lodge, this makeshift sweat lodge, was overcrowded. He had 50 participants crammed into a small structure, and it was unbearable by all of the participants' accounts. And that's where the heat, exhaustion, and dehydration really came to play. A big piece was also the lack of proper safety measures. Again, what led to dehydration? There was no water. And there was a lot of pressure to stay inside the lodge despite their distress and voiced distress. Ventilation was, there was none. They used hot stones to heat the lodge. And again, in the small vicinity. As the ceremony progressed, what I heard was that there was not enough medical support to even properly care for the participants. So essentially, that's what happened when Kirby Brown, James Shore, and Liz Newman died from this this awful event was that it was a result of heat stroke and organ failure because they had really got caught up in this experience. And we'll talk more about what led them to not leave, right? Because, you know, it as callous it may sound, right? They they did have a choice to leave. They was they weren't locked in or no. they weren't there wasn't physical restriction for them. There's so much more to that of why this is on James's hands. Absolutely. And what I would add to this as well is I was listening to an interview with one of the survivors who was an ortho mm-hmm. and she was talking about how she was telling them like I know how to do CPR like, let me do CPR. And there were staff in, you know, James Arthur Ray's company who were telling them, no, it's not necessary, even though her roommate, who had spent the entire time with her, was unresponsive on the ground. So there were different opportunities for, you know, for him to right. be able to get the people to get the people who were suffering and who had fallen ill as his company leader said um, mm. the assistance and the, the medical support that they needed but they ultimately didn't. There was another interview that was done with a, one former staff member who had actually said you know fuck this like I'm going to go I'm going to give these people CPR and she couldn't mm-hmm. give four or five different people CPR so right. even unfortunately you know even through all of her efforts and the efforts of the other individuals who, who were there to try to support and who were able to push through and finally, you know, try to help, mm-hmm. they were not successful. Right. So it really speaks to the pure negligence and disregard for safety without a doubt, because one, they didn't have the appropriate the appropriate uh, medical staff and support. But for folks that were trying to, they denied them access to support and help which is wild to me and and that's the scary part of like how he rose to so much power and control thank you for for sharing that first person account right of what the survivors shared because of the deaths he was arrested and charged which is great however he only got three counts of manslaughter or he was charged with three counts of manslaughter And when he was put on trial, he was found guilty of negligent homicide and sentenced for two years in prison. And I have a lot of conflicting stuff because, again, I want to come from a space of like, 
prison time is not always the answer, right? Like, it's not, I want to be in a space of abolition and, like, not always be crime and punishment. Yeah. So the two years seems like, oh, that's too little. But as we talk more about where he is present day, it seems like there hasn't been any accountability for him. And that's where that, like, really irks me. Yeah. Like, when you look at different interviews of him after he talks about it for, like, a minute and he says, oh, my gosh, I want to pull up the the quote that I wrote down earlier today. He went on uh, Don Lemon, who <laughs> was no longer with CNN. Mm. But he went on with Don Lemon and he, you know, he was addressed about it. And in my opinion, Don Lemon was very, like, very, very gentle with him. And he says, you know, well, I apologize. I spent a whole hour broken and anguished on Pierce Morgan. And that's wow, the- one hour. Like, oh, poor baby. You know, it's just so out of control talking about how he, you know, he didn't have a pity party in jail. He just, you know, his demeanor in that interview and in several other interviews, including local interviews that are more recent, have been, you know, it, it doesn't appear that he has any remorse or that he's really like learned or reflected at all Mm -hmm, on mm -hmm. what happened and that's scary that is so scary and and a little more information about like the shit that this retreat he made the participants do included uh shaving their heads fasting and a last samurai inspired game which involved participants learning how to kill themselves in the way of a samurai. Yeah. So this is all shit before the lodge, right? So I think what's helpful to know is that he was starting to is this the right word? Maybe like groom essentially, right? The power, right? Like to to have power over people. And it was reported that he had told them that this intense heat would make them feel like you're going to die. And there were people who were reported to say like, don't let me leave. I need to die. I need to be reborn. Right. The wildest shit that you've ever heard. <laughs> like that was so out of control that everyone had been so like indoctrinated and groomed to to really believe like no this is something i need to go through and it seems like right you know him quote unquote pushing the button as he says right pushing people he says he said things like i need your permission to make you feel worse temporarily and i need you to commit to doing that but if you know if you're not maybe you're not ready yet like it's a personal failing of the person to not right. be in harm's way or you know in an unsafe situation so it's it's very manipulative how he got people to really buy in and stay in a very unsafe situation right absolutely and um then the psychological control is very cult-like right because that's how they he hooks in on the values and the pain points of what these folks want to better themselves and transform and when he promises 
that you'll die and be reborn, that you'll do this. Of course, the folks are going to take that at face value. And especially, and this is where it gets really tricky when you are then using the clout of sacred traditions that new age spirituality often does um, with cultural appropriation is then doing it completely incorrectly and completely devaluing the the practices that have been used for thousands of years and that that is really infuriating um so he w- went to jail and luckily the incident was put onto media and it and it started to raise questions about the safety and ethics of the self-help industry as well as the appro- uh, the appropriation of cur- commercializing spiritual practices which then prompt discussions about the need of better regulation and oversight of such events but i mean i feel like that's a catch 22 because the, i don't know it then brings in more people and more regulations on on actual sacred practices and just kind of pushes more more um like cultural appropriation of of other traditions so i don't know how i feel about that no i i didn't even think about that but you're completely right like there can be so much more room for policing people of color Mm -hmm. you know indigenous peoples and it's not a super great thing to have yeah type of oversight like there's and then money, right? And then you oh, need yeah. more money for permits. You need more money for blah, 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 where it's mm-hmm. like, no, these are the people that have been doing it safely and uh, correctly because it came from their literal ancestral blood and, yeah. and knowledge. Like he would say that he's worked with his mentor or like, I think that he called the gentleman a shaman from Peru and all these things. But I, I want to... But where was he then? Where was your shaman, shaman mentor? In Peru, apparently. <laughs> right? He was in Peru. But not in Sedona, Arizona. No, he was not in Sedona, Arizona. <laughs> but you know what's what's really important to say, I think, too, about this guy is that he was having people doing like holotropic breath work and stuff like that. He's not certified. He was never certified. And to our knowledge, he's not still certified in any of these things. Like just because right. you go to Peru on right. a vacation and take some ayahuasca like one right not make you an expert it does right right he hasn't even i wouldn't even say he was even properly trained or has experience to do that right like um yeah and that and that's where this new age spirituality movement has been so dangerous is because you have people doing it once or twice and then calling themselves a mother, like a fucking spiritual guru. No, you're not a guru of anything. Like say your ass down and a mentor is another one, which I sometimes have feelings about, even though it, wh- what was that? I'm a coach. I'm a spiritual. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Different podcasts. But <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it, it's the truth, you know, and, and unfortunately, you know, and, and that's why, you know, we came for Oprah a little bit. Like, I appreciate Oprah. Oprah is a phenomenal philanthropist and has done so many incredible things. Mm-hmm. Elevate girls' education, you know, uh, women's entrepreneurship. And, and that I admire. But, mm-hmm. you know, when when you have people on The Secret, when you have people 
on Oprah and she's up there and being like, I love them or they're part of my favorite things or whatever. And, you know, it gives clout and legitimacy and credibility, credibility, these people who really don't deserve any and who can be and have been actively harmful towards others. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. A thousand percent. So, you know, that begs the question of what could possibly drive a man who's claimed to empower and inspire people to oversee such a horrible tragedy. And it's important to understand this. We're going to explore a little bit about the psychology behind his actions. And one key element we wanted to discuss is the power of persuasion and group dynamics. So something that Ray was very skilled at was manipulating his followers into pushing their limits. Mm -hmm. Physically, mentally, he was able to get people to buy in and to follow him. And now, I don't know if you mentioned this, but I heard that when he was doing that weird-ass game with... uh, Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, what's the name of that movie that he took it from? Like the samurai, the last samurai? The last samurai, yep. He was dressed in white, according to former staff members, because he was trying to like set himself up like a deity, like he was God. Okay, Jesus. Shut the fuck up. And so (laughs) his staff members dress in black and be like grim reapers. Super fucking weird (laughs) like it's just very like we're gonna talk a little bit more about narcissism in a minute but yeah very very strange dynamics so you know this guy was incredibly charismatic and if you watch an interview with him now you could kind of see that personality and that charisma come through Mm -hmm. and the really intense group atmosphere that they had played super crucial roles in the tragedy and psychologists Mm -hmm. that he may have exhibited some traits of narcissism as he seemed Mm -hmm. far more concerned with his image and profit than the well-being of his followers this narcissistic tendency could have clouded his judgment it could have prevented him from recognizing the risks and Mm -hmm. narcissistic individuals often lack empathy and might prioritize their own goals and desires over the safety of others Case in point, after everything happened, after the participants died and several others, I think it was 20 others, were rushed to the hospital for treatment of their injuries. Um, it's like broken bones. Horrible. Y'all. Um, like horrible injuries. Horrible. Not just like, oh, I'm so sweaty. Like broken bones and shit. Did you hear about the guy with the arm? No. Oh, this one's really, really rough. So this is like a trigger like very gruesome for our listeners um but basically what happened was is one of the participants was so delirious being the sweat lodge that he put his arm into the hot like rocks oh no skin was hanging off of his bird horrible 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 shit so like this guy clearly didn't give a shit about the people he was he, like as soon as everything went down he dipped like he, mm-hmm. fled, the scene. he fled the scene and mm-hmm. when everyone's picking up the pieces all of the people at the at the retreat are picking up the pieces his staff are picking up the pieces they received a memo from his team saying that 
James is in quiet contemplation. He's in meditation right now, reflecting on the experience of this retreat. Fuck you. Do not put meditation and reflection in the same sentence as what the fuck is happening. Stop. It's, it's, it's pretty wild shit. Like, this guy, in several interviews that I listened to in preparation for our recording today, he would say mm-hmm. the wildest shit. Um, mm-hmm. Talking about a number of different therapeutic techniques. Um, there's one in particular that he would say about systematic desensitization, which is really exposure therapy. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. when he would say, like, well, you have to keep on pushing the buttons of people. You have to keep on pushing and pushing and pushing for them to be able to grow. And I need your permission to make you feel worse. And just completely mislabeling these terms. Like, if you've had any type of CBT training, cognitive behavioral therapy training for our wonderful viewers if you did not know um basically exposure therapy is one of the different techniques that are used particularly with people who are experiencing some symptoms of anxiety or obsessive compulsive type stuff and the the most powerful time I've seen it depicted was when I was in graduate school. They showed us a video of the Beck Institute. And basically, it was a teenage boy who was terrified of knives. He was so afraid that if he was near a knife, he would hurt himself or hurt somebody that he loved. And so slowly but surely, they would have him in a room with a picture of a knife. And he would get comfortable there. Mm -hmm. Then they would have him in a room where there was a knife across the room. And he would get comfortable mm. there and then so on and so forth until eventually, and this was like wild shit to see in graduate school, they had mm. him holding a knife to his arm with wow. the provision of his parent and his and his therapist. And he was like, I don't feel anything. I feel okay. Like I don't I, mm-hmm. I trust myself. I know nothing's gonna happen. Like I'm I'm not gonna hurt anybody, I'm not gonna hurt myself. But this is a process that took like Seven months, Mal. Like it wasn't right. like a week long retreat or one day, yeah. three hour fucking talk that right. he does that he paid him five grand to go to where right. he, like bullies you in the audience. No. Right. And in a word that he did not add that I've learned about exposure therapy is prolonged exposure therapy. Right. Like that is what that like it's PE. That's when you learn about um, PTSD treatment. It's always prolonged exposure therapy. It's not giving the kid a knife and being like, good luck. You know what I mean? Like, like you said, it took months. No. Yeah, I'm I'm just gonna go ahead and push your buttons. Go ahead and consent, please. No. Um yeah, no, and and that's the that's the scary part. As you were speaking about his um verbiage or his use of those type of uh vernacular, right? Jargon. Mm. Keith Venary did no Keith Ranieri, not venereal disease. <laughs> Keith Ranieri <laughs> um said the same he did the same thing and and that with Nexium and that's how he oh. built his following was use literal psychological, very CBT like terms that made people be like, oh, that makes sense. He knows what he's talking about. He, there, he, there's some type of credibility, um, and that is very scary. And I think that's where 
I, our shared passion is sharing the knowledge and not gatekeeping what we've learned so people can be more informed and be able to have more informed consent when they do choose to find different ways of healing, which I definitely encourage, but, but just be a, a, an informed um, participant. Absolutely. Yeah. So who is this motherfucker? <laughs> um, a little background, because I think that's always I mean, that's always super helpful for me to just contextualize and and help me understand. Like, again, I, I truly don't believe people are born born evil. And that's why I created this podcast and invited Jackie, because I know she also believes the same thing is that like there's so many things that have um, been put into place. Right. And yes, we have choices and maybe some people have more resources than not, but, but it helps us understand who, who these people are that, that do these things. So James Arthur Ray was born November 22nd, 1957. And I made a note that he's a Sagittarius. Ew. Um, but I get it. <laughs> he was born in Honolulu, Hawaii, but grew up um, in Oklahoma where he attended university of Oklahoma and surprisingly not studied psychology and communication dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah and exactly and he grew up in a middle class family i'm not gonna go too much in childhood because we could go deep but i don't want to so he started his career in the late 1980s as a personal coach and motivational speaker offering workshops that were very high-priced and very intensive and seminars that was aimed to help individuals improve their lives, achieve success, and unlock their potential. So he, he gained a lot of popularity in this community, I'm sure by his charisma, right? He studied human behavior and how to speak, right? So obviously, he, I'm sure, learned how to captivate an audience as most cult leaders do. And what helped him rise to popularity was in the mid-2000s, there was the documentary The Secret that Jackie had had talked about um, earlier in this episode that focused on the law of attraction that also featured various self-help experts that he was in. And I was too young to really give a fuck about what that was about because I was like just graduated and getting like joining the military. So I was like, whatever it is, is a secret. But I remember how much it blew up. And and that's where um, Oprah had co-signed The Secret and also him. So I'm sure that was a huge, huge factor in him becoming uh, more popular in the self-help and spirituality. And this is really he, where he leaned into the spiritual guru and where we often see the power hungry <laughs> grow right and where he started to really lean into that and the narcissism traits not diagnosing because folks can have narcissistic traits um without being like a full-on narcissist but those traits really started to to get even more prominent 
and I think this is where he also built the following, of course, right? You can't get popular without the following. So then he then starts to build the credibility where folks are like, he changed my life because he gave me positive talk and blah, blah, blah. So then he went into the ret- creating the retreats. So some of the things, so I'm just warning you, if you see it, don't read it. <laughs> Allegedly, don't come at me. <laughs> don't come for us. Um, but he authored... Harmonic Wealth, The Secret of Attracting the Life You Want, The Science of Success, How to Attract Prosperity and Create Harmonic Wealth Through Proven Principles and Building a New Life, which like is very mm, like mild, right? It doesn't seem like he's like a person that is going to make people stay in a sweat lodge and push them to heat exhaustion. So some of the things that like, or one of the things that I kind of left in there that he he would say is like, you must break through your limitations to achieve greatness. And this relentless push for greatness is what created this dangerous environment where the participants felt compelled to prove their commitment to his teachings, right? I must break through this physical limitation, this mental block, um, to the, to the point where they're telling other participants, don't save me, don't take me out of here, because they felt like there was no other way to achieve what he was promising. Another psychological aspect at play here is also known as groupthink, um, which has been a factor in many awful experiences, like with NASA, which was the, ch- the Challenger. Yeah, that was a huge groupthink situation mm. with with the Challenger, and also just pure ne- negligence on NASA's part too. There was documentaries. I'm just not. It's not just my opinion. It's fact. In a closed off environment like the sweat lodge, but also in his following, the groupthink led individuals to make really irrational decisions and ignore warning signs like ignoring the fact that their bodies are shutting down, that the intense heat was affecting them and that it just wasn't safe and that they were all suffering. And one of the survivors um, had been quoted saying, we were all so caught up in the moment, in the group energy, that we didn't realize how dire the situation was until it was too late. But also not that they were just caught up, but your brain, your prefrontal cortex was shut down and you were in survival mode. Right. So also they weren't able to have the mental capacity to like, bounce and leave because of that narrative that was fed to them. Absolutely. Now, let's take a minute and let's talk a little bit about groupthink. And it's important to talk about because it can happen in so many different types of settings, like you said, like with the challenger and, you know, especially within within cults and with these like high pressure situations. So groupthink is a psychological phenomenon that occurs within a group of people. Typically, when there's a decision-making setting where the desire for harmony and conformity within the group leads to irrational or dysfunctional decision-making outcomes. So it was first introduced by the social psychologist Irving Janis in the 1970s, which, if we remember, 1970s, rife with cults, rife with a whole mess of, like... True. wild behaviors, that type mm-hmm. of stuff. So 
Groupthink can have negative consequences, such as poor decision-making, reduced creativity, and a lack of critical evaluations of alternatives. And so for our, our listeners, here are some key characteristics and components of groupthink. There's first the illusion of invulnerability. Group members may develop a false sense of confidence and believe that their decisions are beyond criticism or failure. This could lead to a lack of careful consideration of potential risks and negative outcomes. This kind of reminds me of that community that we talked about in the last season. Yes. What were they called? I don't remember. I don't remember either, but they were in the Upper West Side, I want to say, in the 80s, 80s type of situation. There's also within groupthink uh, collective rationalization. So group members tend to downplay or dismiss warning signs or concerns raised by individuals who express doubts about the group's decisions. This is something that we saw that happened within the sweat lodge, with within the staff and with some so this can result in the group ignoring important information. Like when you see everybody was like, no, we're going to keep on going, that type of thing. So there's mm-hmm. also a belief in inherent morality. The group may develop a sense of moral superiority and believe that their decisions are morally right. And this can lead to the justification of actions that might be unethical or harmful. Another component of groupthink is stereotyped views of outgroups. So groupthink often involves the creation of stereotypes or negative perceptions of individuals or groups who hold opposing views or criticize the group's decision. And this can discourage dissenting opinions. And, you know, when you think about it, this could also discourage uh, anybody kind of questioning like what is mm-hmm. happening within the group as well. So yeah, yeah, it was just safety in general, right? A, like <laughs> a thousand percent, absolutely. Because once you speak up, not even against, right? You can still be like a ride or die follower, but you're like, but wait a minute, they can then deem you to be part of the others or the out group, absolutely. Immediately, that is a very strong one that keeps people from speaking up. Totally. And, you know, like you said, it leads to self-censorship. So group members might withhold their doubts or their dissenting opinions to avoid the conflict or maintain group Mm -hmm. cohesion. And this could lead to the suppression of valuable perspectives and ideas, like safety. (laughs) Yeah, like, um, I don't want to pretend to stab myself or stay in a hot-ass fake sweat lodge. Not for me. No, thank you. No mas. So... (laughs) There's also the illusion of unanimity, and that's group members may falsely believe that everyone in the group, Mm. the decision, even if some members are silently opposed. This can create a false consensus, which, you know, we discussed before that there were people who were comfortable. There were people who were like, I don't know, Um, but Mm -hmm. they still like the collective appeared to be unanimous. Right. And you don't want to be outed. You don't want to. If this if you want what I realize with folks that get caught up in cults is that they're not stupid. They're not like naive. It's that they want community so badly because that is our human innate wiring to be part of community. And when you have community that seems to be fulfilling that longing, Mm -hmm. you're going to want to stay and you're going to want to not be the person that gets voted out or just kicked out. 
a thousand percent like the vast majority of the participants who participated in the retreat had been in his talks before were successful mm-hmm. quote unquote people they were attorneys they were doctors there was an orthodontist there was you know right. people who were very um like i don't want to say materialistically successful but like traditional guest yeah. if, if we yeah. get it that way successful mainstream successful we'll say right right and just like the upper yeah. east side yeah. cults that yeah. that yeah, had a, a lot of folks that were upper class and educated. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it doesn't speak to their intelligence. I think, again, that psychological effect. A thousand percent. Mm-hmm. And there's also, you know, I think it's important. We kind of like alluded to this, but there's a lot of pressure on the people who dissent. So mm-hmm. people who express contrary opinions might be subjected to pressure or even intimidation to conform to the group's consensus. And this can further discourage dissent. As part of groupthink, the last component of it is the self-appointed mind guards. And some members might take it upon themselves to shield the group from dissenting information or perspectives, which can further reinforce groupthink. It's important to note that groupthink is more likely to occur in cohesive groups where there is a strong desire for unity and where group members have a high degree of similarity in terms of background, values, and beliefs, which all of this existed Mm -hmm. during the retreat. And it could be particularly problematic in situations where important decisions need to be made, such as in corporate boardrooms, government agencies, or military planning. And to avoid groupthink, it's important to encourage open and honest communication within groups. Actively seek diverse perspectives like ours. Assign a devil's advocate role to challenge the consensus and create an environment where dissenting opinions are valued and considered. By recognizing and addressing the signs of groupthink, groups can make more informed and effective decisions. So, friends... We talked about his, what's the word? I don't know. We talked about what happened afterwards. That like He was charged and found guilty of manslaughter. So where is good old James Arthur Ray now? Well, as of March 2023, he calls himself a personal performance and leadership advisor and announced the launch of his new business, Harmonic Success, which aims to help individuals achieve success by healing and integrating all aspects of their lives. This program focuses on helping individuals achieve success, happiness, and fulfillment in all areas. Like literally, this is this is verbatim of some article. It's him and his wife, and they are drawing on their expertise in the five pillars of life: financial, relational, mental physical, and spiritual. And the rays encourage individuals to create lives they love. Lives that are fulfilling and complete in all areas. So yeah, he's still doing the same shit, pretty much. He learned nothing. Um, nothing. He learned nothing, exactly. Like you said, no no remorse, no, no reflection, no. no accountability. And this article that I pulled that information from doesn't even mention the shit that has happened should we have all of our mistakes put on blast? No, but I think it's an important thing to consider 
when he's out here doing the same shit and ha- is like wielding the same ability oh. to have control and yep. power as a, an advisor and coach. Yep. Th- yeah, that's James Arthur Ray, y'all. He's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Consensus is he's terrible. And I think why, why this was an interesting um, situation to talk about is when you have someone in power and holding that role, how detrimental it can be when other people's safety becomes compromised and also to the people that enabled him because we also have to think cults aren't just built off of one leader pulling control there's so much so much enabling and following so again i think this is just like if you're gonna be in a cult make sure it's safe Um, is my recommendation. But no. Um, Jackie, do you have anything else for the people? You know, what really comes up for me with this guy in particular, because, you know, I I consider myself uh, a person who helps like walk with people and helps facilitate transformation, you know, in collaboration with the people. Like, I'm not an expert on your life. Like I know some shit, spent some money on a degree (laughs) and some training and that type of thing. And I have my own personal experiences that, that give me some level of expertise. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I think that when people are elevated and this happens like in our field too, like there's people who think that they are the shit because they're a therapist. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. We might know some, um, mm-hmm. but like, you know, there's a lot of people within the spiritual space and that's what makes it so scary. But, you know, to me, you know, as a person who is, you know, who is a therapist, who identifies as a therapist and, you know, who helps people in their healing makes me feel all the more responsible for the practices that we engage in and like what type of therapist I am and making sure that I help people get educated, Mm -hmm. you know, what these different techniques are. And like, maybe you should try X, Y, Z instead of, you know, going to a retreat or going to a transformational seminar, you know, there's other, um, like vehicles of change that are available to you Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. are, that can be utilized so yeah and is it the right fit too right like i think is um and like being and allowing that to be in the space of like my services may not be the right fit or that service but like helping the individual find what fits for them opposed to where he is coming from a completely capitalistic space of like no you need to buy my shit i am the only one yeah um like yeah, so that that's where it's also really like that's where again like I have a sticker that says capitalism is a death cult, right? Because yeah. when it's rooted in making money and profit to hoard <laughs> money and profit, that's where all ethics go out the window. Right. Like, um, and I think that like as you were speaking, Jackie, that really came up of like what what you're practicing is 
so rooted in ethics is is collaboration and and really acknowledging the the dynamic right of of therapist and and client um and not exploiting that Mm -hmm. where homeboy does that and many of the other quote-unquote spiritual leaders do that is that exploitation of that relationship so please be on the lookout for more douchebags that we'll be talking about because unfortunately there's more there's so and there's so many more we're gonna put them on blast so homies friends comrades esteemed guests thank you for joining us on our first episode as the decoding crime and culture duo with mal and jackie so today Today, yeah, we explored the dark side of charisma, group dynamics, group think, and narcissism in the case of James Arthur Ray and the Sedona Sweat Lodge. So remember, understanding the psychology behind such strategies can help prevent them from happening again. And if you have any suggestions for future episodes or want to learn more about a specific case, hit us up on Instagram. All the links will be listed below. So until next time, stay curious and stay safe. 